first of our two Bible readings, both of which are from Galatians, is uh, chapter 2, reading from verse 3 to verse 10, verse 6 to 10. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favouritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognised that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in, as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognised the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and, and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. And then from Galatians 6 and verses 8 through to 10. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Amen. Thanks. Good morning. Let me open in prayer. Father, I don't know what everyone's going through here today, the struggles that everyone has. Everyone has struggles, Lord whether it's financial or physical or relational. But Father, I ask that you would calm our hearts and our minds today to hear your word. Remind us, Lord, to not grow weary in doing good because Christians are doing an extraordinary amount of good in our broken world. And so, Father, through your spirit, convict us today of ways we can be a blessing to others, whether through financial support or through prayerful support or loving people locally, globally. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It is easy to grow weary because there are so many needs around the world, locally and globally. We know a lot more today about what's going on around the world, what's happening to children around the world. During a time of COVID, we've heard about the increase in online sexual exploitation of kids, and the epicenter of that is in Southeast Asia. And it would be easy to become weary, but I've met heroes of the faith, like Pastor Elindo in the next slide. He's been serving this community a rubbish dump community where kids scavenge through the rubbish every day. It's heartbreaking, but it's inspiring seeing Pastor Alindo. He doesn't grow weary in doing good. He was a poor child himself, became a Christian, went to Bible college, and went and started a church in the poorest place he could find, in a rubbish dump. He had, he's been there for 30 years, but only the last 10 years has he been with compassion. And he was asking for, for Compassion to partner with him for a long time. And Compassion kept knocking him back. And you might think, what's wrong with Compassion? Has Compassion lost the plot? But the reality is, there are countless communities like that rubbish dump community all over the world. And we only have a limited amount of supporters. We only seek people who know and love Jesus to sponsor kids, people who'll be praying for kids, people who'll be writing letters of Christian encouragement. I've seen kids living in horrendous circumstances like that rubbish dump in Indonesia, which is not too far from where you sponsor kids in Malang, in Java. And you think to yourself when you see that, what can I do? Well, perhaps you can help rescue one child. 
I know many of you already sponsor children. You can become weary if you think that it's up to us to save the world. It's not up to us. That's God's work. He's changing and saving the world. But we have the ability to be good stewards of what God has given us. And the truth is we are the richest people in the richest place at the richest time of human history. Things like clean running water and electricity. So many things that we have living in New South Wales. And the idea of releasing one child, it shouldn't be an alien concept. We too have been released from spiritual poverty by the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus has released us from sin and death and from the devil. We're reminded of this in Galatians chapter 1. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. So we have been rescued by our Lord Jesus Christ, who we sang about beautifully in that first song today. And we haven't been rescued to just sit and wait for his return. And his return will be soon, because he said he is coming soon. But we can be living out his compassion in our broken and hurting world. In 1 Corinthians 3, we're described as God's co-workers. It's a beautiful description of, of Christians, isn't it? And in Ephesians chapter 2, we're reminded that it is by grace we've been saved. So we can't save ourselves. We need to be rescued. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship. Wow. Have you thought about yourself like that? God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I'm going to throw some Greek words at you today. Not because I'm a smarty pants and I want to show off that I know Greek, because I am Greek and I notice stuff in Greek. So I didn't speak English until I went to kindergarten. And I still think in Greek. It's a beautiful descriptive language and it's no coincidence that the New Testament is written in Greek. And so if we dig a bit, the NIV is a fantastic translation, but I just want to show you some different words today and think of some different ways of translating words. Because if we ever dig a little bit in Scripture, God opens things up for us to see. I'm going to go wild today because the timer on the countdown hasn't gone off, so I think I've still got 25 minutes left to go. <laughs> so I don't know what I'm doing time-wise, so please bear with me. But we're reminded that you know, good works can't save you. No amount of good works. I've got about 48 children left on the table. At 8 a.m., they were amazingly generous. You could go and sponsor all of those 48 children. It can't save you. Generosity can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. But once Jesus saves you, you've got the ability to be generous, to be a blessing in our broken world. So we see there the word good works. And I want to look at that root of good. What is that? What is that? It says good works, agathis works. What does that mean? What are those four letters that we're going to see again and again today? What do they mean? Well, I, let's see what the early apostles did. We saw in Galatians chapter 2, there are two groups of apostles. One group went to the Jews, one group went to the Gentiles. They had one gospel message for all of humanity for all time. They had that in common. But did you see that they had another thing in common in verse 10? They were eager to remember the poor. Paul said, I was eager to remember the poor. And you think, that's a bit of a weird phrase, isn't it? Remember, eager, eager to remember the poor. But if you think about the opposite, it's very easy to forget the poor or to be slow to remember the poor. Now, Compassion's ministry has enabled my family to remember the poor. 
And in fact, Fig Tree Anglican Church has in the most beautiful and personal way enabled me to remember poor children in Thailand because I was on trips with members of your church in 2017 and 2020 and I met Panyakorn, that's my daughter Julia with Panyakorn and that's his dad. His mum had died of cancer two years earlier and dad was struggling to care for his child. So we sponsored Panyakorn and the reason we found him was because the church in that community is a big-hearted church and they, they go and look for the poorest kids, the most vulnerable kids in the community and they're grafted into a loving church community and hopefully over 15 or 20 years of holistic discipleship, we prayerfully hope they will become Christians. We also prayerfully hope that they will be educated and employable and give back to their community. So we went back in 2018 with Ashfield Presbyterian Church and he was doing well on every metric. Uh, he was growing, he was malnourished when we first met him. He was doing well relationally at school, he was making some friends. We also managed to get his dad to come along to church. So I said, look, I'm speaking at the church tomorrow that's caring for your son. Do you want to come and hear the promises of Jesus? He's like, no, 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 I'm Buddhist. But the next day, we're standing there singing, and he walks in. And everyone sits down and starts clapping. So that's how you should welcome newcomers to church. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. That's my dad joke for the day. But it was really moving for me because people recognize this man has never set foot in church. So I knew God was up to something. We also saw how he had used a $100 family gift that we had sent. So we're not very good at promoting family gifts. I don't know why. We don't want to bombard people with too many options. But in the next slide, you'll see a photo of a hairdressing business. He started with $100. So we sent $100. If you send a family gift, many of you already sponsor, 100% of the value of that gift will go to the family or to the child. So he started a hairdressing business, so he would be at home more often with his son. My daughter Penelope sent $100 to Abraham in Indonesia. He wrote a letter back. In the next slide, we'll see a letter that he sent back saying that I bought sandals and a bed. She only sent $100, and he, but he bought a bed. He said, I've never slept on a bed before. All this time, I've been living on the floor. And we had visited his home, and that place regularly flooded. So I don't know how he was sleeping a lot of the time. We went back in 2020, can you believe it, when COVID was breaking out? Honestly, it was 17 of the best days of my family's life. The six of us were together with other like-minded Christians. We met five of the kids that the Cassis family sponsors. And as you can see, Panyakorn is growing. He wrote in a letter, can you bring me a, a stuffed kangaroo when you come? So he got his stuffed kangaroo. We had some great times together. We visited the most dangerous zoo in the world, Chiang Mai Zoo, which was fantastic. We had a wonderful time. And then we found out something that we probably would never have found out unless we'd been on the field trip. This is Pastor Sombat. Pastor Sombat is the pastor, next slide, of a church that cares for 500 of the poorest kids in the community. And he told me, oh, you know, after you came in 2018, I went back to Panyakorn's dad again and again and shared the promises of Jesus, and he's become a Christian. All he did was remember the poor, and our generous and good God multiplied our generosity and it gave Pastor Sombat enormous joy as well. He looks after 500 kids that were just like him because he himself was a former Compassion Sponsor child. And this is not like one isolated example of one man becoming a Christian. We see this again and again with Compassion. He said that half of the members of his church first heard about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ because their children were in the sponsorship program. It's part of the harvest that Compassion's been part of for 71 years. But of course, it's not Compassion at work. It's the Lord Jesus Christ at work. There was a long-term study 
There was a synopsis of that long-term study of the effectiveness of sponsorship in Christianity today. In the next slide, you'll see the abstract, and you'll see that they found that there were statistically large differences for Compassion Sponsor Kids. In fact, they went, the people who conducted the research went to all the organisations, but I guess, fair enough, they were a bit sceptical of what that would find, so the whole study ended up being about compassion, which is a real, real blessing to the ministry. But I think it really understated the ministry because it only focused on, well, physical outcomes and educational outcomes and employment outcomes. And they're great. It enables kids to get out of generational poverty. And it's great to care for kids. And it's great to feed them. And it's great to see them getting out of generational poverty. In fact, Cara, our uh, one of the children that we sponsored who's graduated in the Philippines. We're Facebook friends now. She's 22 years old. Her and her dad, uh, her, well, her dad and I are good Facebook friends. We, he's a pastor of a church. And she told me recently that she had graduated with high distinction from a teaching degree. Now, not many kids living in poverty can do that, but with the assistance that Compassion provides, many children, often the poorest children in communities, are doing the best in school because there's such an emphasis on after-school tutoring and helping kids. But the very best outcome, it never turns up in studies because how can you quantify rejoicing in heaven? These are the best outcomes. What does Jesus say when someone becomes a Christian? I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So you won't find that information in the Journal of Political Economy but is an extraordinary outcome, isn't it? The eternal salvation of people. Because people like you, simple everyday Christians like you and me, we remember the poor, and God amazingly multiplies our generosity. Okay, we quickly looked at Galatians chapter 1. We've been rescued by Jesus. Galatians chapter 2, the apostles taking that message of being rescued by Jesus to the whole world and also caring for the poor. So let's now go to Galatians chapter 6 and I'll reread verses 9 and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And over... It's almost four years of the pandemic. I guess not a pandemic anymore, although people are still dying of COVID. It's been a challenging time. If I asked you to put your hand up, I won't. Who had a challenging time during COVID, whether it was physical health, mental health, relational issues, loss of livelihood, loss of life? I know people that have died. It's been a really, really challenging time. And I think the Apostle Paul understands. Like he had challenging times too. We see it in the Bible, don't we? In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, we despaired of life itself. It's like, I wish I was dead. That sounds pretty heavy. He was really despairing of life. And it would have been easy for him to grow weary. But he just kept going. He just kept serving Jesus and expecting God to be at work powerfully. And God has been at work powerfully. Here we are 2,000 years later, people of all backgrounds, worshipping our Lord Jesus Christ and trusting in him for our salvation. And we need to remember to keep going, keep doing good as Christians in our broken world, because when things are grim, that's when Christians shine. In the next slide, we'll see two English words, and I want to look a little bit more carefully at the Greek now. So let us not become weary in doing good. That Greek word, kalon, it's kind of like when Jesus, well, it's the same Greek word as when Jesus goes, I am the good shepherd. It's that general big picture view of good. But it's a more narrow word in verse 10 in Greek. It's the word agathon, let us do good, agathon. So I want to explore a little bit 
little bit more about that word. And in the next slide, we'll see Mark chapter 10. Remember when the guy runs to Jesus and he's like, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is like, why do you call me good? No one is good. See that word again? No one is good, agathos, except God alone. It's the same word. Well, let's think about what's been happening in Mark up to this point for, for someone to call Jesus a good teacher. He's been proclaiming the gospel, the good news of salvation. He's been teaching about the kingdom of God. Everywhere he goes, he has compassion on people and cares for them. He heals people. He raises a girl from the dead. Before Mark 10, there have already been two feeding miracles. People say to me, oh, you know, he just did that to show who he was. Yeah, that's right. He is the God of compassion. That's what God does. He has compassion on people. And so he is good. But if only God is good, how is it that we can do that same thing? Why could, how can we do that same word? And what, what does it actually mean? Well, in a very personal way for me, I remember this word from when I was a little boy. Here's a photo of my mum and I in the late 60s, I guess, outside our Burke Street Congregational Church. She was very poor growing up in World War II. Uh, my mum's an amazing believer, still alive at the age of 83, and she taught me to pray thanking the agathos, the generous God of the universe. So it's, a, it's an idea of goodness and generosity. Thanking the generous God of the universe for his agatha, the things that he has richly blessed me with. And if we stop to think about it, God is incredibly generous. The fact that you exist, you have being, you did not exist, and you were created. Is that not incredible generosity from God? The sunshine, the rain, the food, the friends, the fellowship, the church, the hope that we have. And in fact, if you trust in the Lord Jesus, God is so generous, you've been rescued from your sins, and you're going to live eternally in a resurrected body in God's glorious presence. Because God is agathos. God is so generous and so loving. And so how do we live out this generosity? Well, it is because we're connected to the generous God of the universe. We're told in the Bible more than 70 times that we are in Christ. If we trust in Jesus, we are in Christ. We're united with Christ. In John 10, Jesus says, I will hold you and I will never let you go. On the day of judgment, we will shelter in Christ. We belong to Christ. And we're also told in the Bible that if we belong to Christ, if we've had our eyes open and we've trusted in Jesus... We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And the overflow of that from our hearts, well, we see that in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Agathosini. See, that's the same root word. I think the NRSV probably does the translation of this better. Kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we're able to participate in God's goodness because we are connected to the good and generous God of the universe. So how we do, do we direct it? Well, in verse 10 it says, let us do good to all people without discrimination. If we go back to Pastor Sombat in the next slide, during COVID, he was inundated, as were all our partner churches that are dotted up and down the Burmese border. So people flooded over from Myanmar because of the conflict over there. In the developing world, if you need help, everyone knows you go to a Christian church because Christians will help you because that's what the Christians have been doing for 2,000 years. They are salt and light in their communities and they love their communities. So people streamed over and went to these churches and they brought COVID with them, the Delta variant, and a lot of people got sick. 
Of the 500 children in his church, 100 of them had to be hospitalized. What you may not know, if you sponsor a child in Thailand, all their medical expenses are covered and they are sent to good hospitals. You wouldn't want to go to a hospital in that town. They were sent to Chiang Mai. And so are the medical expenses of siblings and parents. And thankfully, they all survived. But there was no discrimination. It's not like, okay, the Christian kids go to hospital and the kids whose parents are into illegal activities, which is a lot of kids in that area, they don't go to hospital. Or the Buddhist kids, they don't go to hospital. It's like, no, no, do good to all people without discrimination. You also partner with churches in Indonesia where you care for many Muslim kids and compassion partners with those communities in very difficult circumstances in Indonesia, Burkina Faso, Bangladesh, all over the world. So you too can do good to all people. You too can do good to vulnerable children. This is where your kids are in Thailand. Up in that northwestern area, you visited there twice and it was so wonderful to see some of my travel buddies there today, see photos, I think that's probably from our 2017 trip. So what can I do? Well, if you don't sponsor a child, there are many things you can do, but one thing you could potentially do is sponsor a child, and there are profiles of children who are looking for sponsors in Thailand on, on the table at the back. And I would love you to take a profile home if you don't sponsor, and think about it and pray about it. And I won't know, it'll be between you and God. And you'll have until the 4th of September until the QR code on the back of that profile stops working. So you can sponsor a child via the QR code or you can ring Compassion and sponsor that child. So don't feel compelled today or guilt-tripped or anything like that. For me, it's been a wonderful, inspiring journey sponsoring kids. And I invite you to join that journey with me. Perhaps you have a heart for Indonesia. A lady came to me this morning and said, I want to sponsor a child in a particular part of Indonesia in Medan. I happen to have a child from Medan. There's, there are your partner churches. It is in Malang. There are a lot of uh, religious extremists in that town that would rather compassion left. But the gospel is on fire in Indonesia. We went in 2018. We went back in 2020. We visited the same churches. They had all doubled in size because we are in the fastest growth phase of Christianity in human history all over the world and by God's grace in some developed countries too although we're not as reliant on God, are we, in our context? So let us do good to all people. But wait, look at the next part of that verse. Especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, I don't want to destabilize your uh, confidence in the NIV. It's a fantastic translation. It's the one I like to read. But sometimes if you look a little bit more carefully at the words and check other translations, you might find some differences that help you understand what's going on here. That word malista which I remember my dad saying all the time when he was alive, just means certainly. So God is saying, let us do good to all people. And of course, certainly, you're not going to forget Christians because, well, you're reminded again and again in the New Testament, you're going to love each other. That's part of your DNA as Christians. You're going to love other Christians. You're going to love other family members. So do good to all people. And of course, don't forget the family of believers. And the Greek word there for family is household. And if you think of us as one big global household, it's actually a very moving picture, isn't it? And some members of our household have had a really tough time during COVID. So let's continue to remember them. It's not saying do lots of good to Christians and with whatever you got left over, do a little bit of good to, Christian, to non-Christians. It's not prioritizing Christians and the church hasn't prioritized Christians for 2,000 years. They've actually gone to seek out non-Christians. 
to share the good news of Jesus, to take people out of spiritual poverty, but also just to love them and care for them. Christians started hospitals and schools and loving people. You know, the ancient Romans, they hated it. They thought Christians were stupid. But Christians were living out the compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ in the most beautiful way, and that has continued. And it's made, it's made churches salt and light in the most hurting communities. And those communities have not been well served by governments who've really been stretched in Southeast Asia. So I want to ask the question now, does compassion do good to the family of believers? What does compassion do for the family of believers? Well, it blesses churches, because compassion is not about compassion. It's about the church and about Jesus Christ. So we are empowering the churches financially, prayerfully, with all kinds of support. Let me take you on a quick journey through Indonesia. This is my son, Marky, in 2014. He sponsored Gereswanda. In the next slide, you'll see we visited him in 2018. I've been on 10 trips with Compassion now. What did I find out? The partner churches in Indonesia and Thailand, they love us. They pray for us regularly. We are so important to their ministry. They see us as co-workers. We are blessing to their ministry. That volcano did actually erupt. They had told me that it only erupts on the other side. Gary lived on the, at the base of the volcano on this side. And sure enough, a few weeks later, I saw it on the news, it erupted on the other side. I don't know if it's ever going to go to Gary's side. But one of my kids said to me, Dad, why don't they just move? It's so dangerous. I said, that's right. That's poverty. You don't have choices. You don't have options. You just stay living at the base of a dangerous volcano. We went back in 2020. That town is being transformed. Here's a photo of Marky and Gereswanda in January 2020, unbelievably while COVID was breaking out all around us. And here's a photo of my family, the six of us, with Gereswanda's family. What I found was in that village, more than 10% of the village was in child sponsorships. There's 1,000 people, 105 sponsor kids, but through sponsorship, through siblings, through parents, more than half the town has been powerfully impacted by the Ministry of Compassion. This is another community where malnutrition rates are some of the highest in Southeast Asia. In this community, kids come to the project, the Compassion Child Development Centre, to be fed every day. Every day they receive a nutritious meal. So to sponsor a child is $48 a month, let's say $12 a week, or as someone at 8 o'clock said, don't forget to say it's tax, it's tax deductible. I said, I remember to say that. So, you know, effectively you'd be paying like $7 or $8 um, after you get your tax deduction. And these kids are eating every day, and they're getting tutored after school, and they've got health insurance through your support, and they're getting mentored, and they've got world-class child protection looking after them in very difficult communities where they're being protected and loved and cared for in the most beautiful ways. And it's happening because people like you and I have not grown weary of doing good, and we remember the poor. And through God's generosity, there's been a harvest. I caught up with Noel Pabiona recently, and he said, we have seen exponential growth of Christianity in the Philippines. He's the head of Compassion Philippines. I probably should have told you who he was. We have seen exponential growth of Christianity in the Philippines like never before during these COVID years because churches have been loving people. So when should we do good? When should we love people? Well, you see the Greek word, kedo, at the proper time, kedo, and as we have opportunity, on. Now, I would say some other translations have, as we have time, with the life that our generous creator has given you as a gift while you're alive, while you're breathing, don't grow weary in doing good. That's God's encouragement to us today. And it has been a really tough time for the church 
in the developing world. In some parts of the world, the entire, entire church team has died during COVID, certainly in Bolivia, Brazil, and places like that. Many parents have died. There have been extraordinary challenges. Loss of livelihood, loss of life. And now there's a global food crisis. You probably haven't seen it on the news. Has anyone heard about the global food crisis in the news? Yeah, a few people, but not many people. There's an extra person dying every minute, every minute in Africa because of the global food crisis. Partly because of the way we came out of COVID, inflation, the way it occurred because interest rates had been low for so long. So there was an inflationary situation and then the conflict in the Ukraine, which was the food bowl for East Africa. So it's been a really, really difficult time. But in that context, the church has been working powerfully and doing enormous amounts of good for vulnerable people. And it's part of their DNA because they've taken these verses to heart. These churches are relentless. They do not grow weary in the most challenging circumstances. There's a photo of uh, a, cu a couple in Indonesia just chatting away, praying for each other. You can go to the next slide. I hope you're praying for your compassion kids. Certainly our partner churches are praying for the children in their community and blessing the children in their community. It has been a really challenging time. In fact, uh, Geras Wanda's dad died last year. We were, we were totally gutted. We met him twice. But in that context, churches are still powering, loving their people, listening to the words of God, being an enormous blessing. Well, praise be to the Lord Jesus Christ for raising up people like you, Fig Tree Anglican Church, to do good in our hurting and broken world with the lives that our generous creator has given us. And in fact, that's part of Christ's likeness, isn't it? Because the ultimate example of not growing weary in doing good is our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ gave everything for you and for me. He went all the way to the cross and then he even defeated death for us. He did not grow weary in doing good. I want to leave you with a little clip. It's not very well recorded. It's on my 10-year-old phone. Actually, it was a brand new phone back then, but it's still not very good because I'm not very good with IT. But I find it very moving. We uh, visited these children in a very remote location and they didn't know any English, but it is a song that is sung throughout Indonesia and in fact throughout Southeast Asia, reminding us of our Lord Jesus Christ, our self-giving and loving God. They didn't know any English, but they knew we were coming and they learned this song that they commonly sing in English. Thank you for listening and uh, I'd love to chat with you afterwards. I've already been super warmly welcomed today. It's always a real blessing and delight coming back to visit you.